who's ever been to this place? You make it big and all of a sudden you think, when are they going to realize I have no idea what I'm doing? Well, I'm going to talk with David Falk. He is an amazing chef and a very good friend. And he talks about this exact thing. Let's dive in. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Hi, I want to welcome David Falk, chef, CEO of Boca Restaurant Group. So those of you who don't know, but I'm sure everybody knows, Boca Restaurant Group includes Nada, Soto, Boca, and Nada, their locations are in Cincy, Nashville, Columbus, Indianapolis, and D.C. Welcome, David. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited you're here today. Cool. So in preparation, I've been thinking a lot about our conversation today and we grew up together so Mm -hmm. i know some down and dirty secrets did you like call mom and start like you know you know what i probably should (laughs) have if i was really good at my research i should have so um at what point do you think you knew you wanted to be a chef Mm. it's actually interesting i think most people think that i wanted i always wanted to be a chef and and the reality was uh, I followed my two older brothers into the restaurant business. They were working as as bussers at El Coyote back in 1991, I think it was. And back then, El Coyote and Anderson was like the, the hottest restaurant. restaurant. Yeah, right. You would you would have you know people. It'd be like you know 10 degrees outside, and you'd have people waiting for 30 minutes outside on a list just to get inside to get on a different list to wait two hours. And uh, as you uh, as you remember, I was a horrible student. I hated school, hated it. Uh, I just yeah, I was. You way were too... good in the social department. Oh well, yeah, I've always yeah, I've always right. done all right on social skills and right. parties, uh, which actually probably led to my you know future career. But uh, yeah, so I you know I couldn't sit still, and I walked in the first day of work, and I was like. I love this. I mean, it was energy and just the, and, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I had a real passion for hospitality and just taking care of people. And so I always say, you've never met a 15 year old bus boy that was more passionate about being a bus boy than, uh, than me. I mean, I would get side tips. Servers always wanted me and actually all of us folk boys, but they, they always wanted it. You know, they always wanted me in their section because I just couldn't get enough of it. And in really short, you know, in really short order, I was like, I want to own a restaurant someday. So it wasn't the chefing thing was, and I, and, and I'm sure you remember my dad had a field day on this. I was the pickiest eater ever. I ha- I mean, I hated food. I mean, I ate hot dogs, mac and cheese and pizza, you know, cheese pizza. And if I was feeling daring that day, I might do pepperoni. And so <laughs> here I am working in a restaurant, but you know, our whole family, our handshake, especially my mom and I, and uh, our hands really shake, uh, or my hand really shakes, when I'm pouring coffee over this, like, 75-year-old woman. And, I, I mean, literally, I was petrified. I was going to burn the crap out of her. And, uh, and literally, like, boom, I was like, I'm done in the front of the house. Like, I can't, really? I can't be in the front of the house because, like, I don't want the re- – but it wasn't like – I need to go find a new job and deliver pizzas. I was like, no, I'm done in the front of the house of the restaurant business. So now I have to go to the kitchen, right. even though I didn't like food. I didn't, you know, so I went in the kitchen and uh, I 
was like mesmerized by it. The first sauce I learned how to make was Bernays sauce, which to this day is still my favorite sauce. And I still think we make Bernays better than anybody else. I think you uh, do too. Well, thank you. Uh, but yeah, I just, all of a sudden it was like a, I, I said, it's kind of like the, uh, the conversion of Saul to Paul on the road to Damascus. I mean, here I was this kid who hated food, who like was just the pickiest eater. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I couldn't get enough of it. I mean, I get cookbooks. I'll never forget getting a cookbook and looking at a recipe for chicken stock. And I'm like, what the hell is chicken stock? And all I could think about were like stocks and bonds, like the stock market. I'm like, <laughs> I don't, this just doesn't make any sense to me, you know? And, and, but being too nervous to actually to ask, ask anybody like, what the hell is chicken stock? But, uh, yeah, so I, I, um. But you had a lot of, um, really good cooks in your family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which, a, which was Italian even more surprising cooking. that I was, I was such a, you know, honestly, such a pain in the ass for my, my family. And, uh. You know, dad used to always say, just put it in your mouth and chew it up. You know, all goes to the same place. You know, uh, German, Norwegian, God love them. Um, right, because you had the German on the one side. Yeah, and German, the Norwegian on the, on the one, other. and then hardcore. T- you know, so I definitely grew up around food. I just, I don't know what it was. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, it, it feels like a absolutely providential, you can't explain it. I couldn't explain it. I mean, I went from hating something to, or just being super picky to being like, I can't get enough. Okay, so you're working at the restaurant, you move into the kitchen part, Uh and then end of high school comes, all of your friends go off to college, and what do you do? Yeah. Which was non-conventional back then. Well, it was even before everybody went off to, it was when everybody was saying what college, you know, because, you know, at at Summit, it's like, well, where are you going? Well, I'm going to Yale. I'm going to Duke. I'm going to Harvard. Where are you going? I'm going to culinary school. And that's, although I didn't say it like that, that's how I think most people, I I got two reactions usually. It was like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. And the other was like, oh, so you're kind of like going to truck driving school. Um, This is Summit and (laughs) we don't do that here. Uh, the irony is, is you know, all those jackasses want you know reservations at my restaurants now. So that's always. Kind and of nice. I think you're in a hall of fame there too. Am I? You? I don't think. Or so. you got Am some I? award? Or I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter. No, I'm kidding. I love Summit, and God yeah, bless them for keeping me in there and allowing me to graduate. Right, because you, know? you could have been booted a couple times. Uh, that's 100, hmm? percent Mr. Terrell. Mr. Terrell, 100. percent He he loved my mom's spunk, and he loved our spunk too. I mean, because you know, I don't think it's very often you get these four wily boys from your Richmond. I never feel like, you know, I, I think I was sharing with you that I was getting shot for this uh, documentary yesterday and they were like heaping all this praise on me at the beginning of it. And I didn't even know what the damn thing was about. And I just shut up. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't ever look at myself or my organization that way. Like to me, you know, I said this um, to somebody I've had, I've been fortunate enough to hang out with enough entrepreneurs and 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 folks that have grown companies and there's this really interesting commonality that i think probably everybody if they were honest would admit um but i my friends who 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 you know have shared this with me and it's so true and it's kind of what we call the imposter syndrome where we feel like we're imposters and we're just waiting for people to find out right like it's just like i you know because i'm like look dude i went to freaking culinary school Okay, I have an associate's degree. I'm now CEO of a, you know, almost $30 million company with 600 employees. And I don't say that to brag. I say it to say, like, how grossly... Do you still feel like an imposter? Um, I, I don't know that I 
That's a good question. I think at times I do. I mean, I think it, it, I think every time. What's interesting is... And then how do you get over that? Because I think a lot of listeners feel the same thing. Yeah, I think I think there's, you know, so I think the imposter syndrome is unhealthy. I think it's, it's kind of like a spectrum, right? So if imposter syndrome is at a 10 and... Um, entitlement my you know my crap doesn't stink is at a one i think you want to be probably close to a seven at all times because really what it what it does if it's healthy is it keeps you humble keeps you humble and keeps you hungry um and 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 you never feel like you really arrive and i think for me personally because i'm a creature of challenge i mean i remember the emotions i had when i first opened up in october october 1st 2001 boca and and that day one of saying oh crap like i was the most arrogant sob you'd ever met i you know and and there's nothing more humbling than realizing like up to this point i could blame everything if i wanted to on a chef on a manager on the owner i was all those things now i had nobody else to blame so if it if it fails it's on me and that was really humbling and and then I quickly realized, like, wow, you know, I do have a gift for cooking food, but I have absolutely no idea how to run a business. And so that really started what I kind of jokingly call is the like the ten year MBA program of the School of Hard Knocks. And then, so I think I'm constantly, at least me personally, and you and I spoke before about this idea of like pioneers and developers. And and I think when you're a pioneer and you're always taking new territory, you you always end up putting yourself back at whatever that first. That that you know, it's like whatever that first leg of the race is, you always end up back there, uh, but with it with a, a longer. So it's like the first one's like, okay, we're gonna run three miles today, and you're like, oh my gosh, we're gonna run three miles, and you're like, oh, you're and you're like, okay, now we're gonna run fifteen miles, and you're like, shit, okay, I'm back at mile one now, and you always have this feeling of kind of like it's that startup feeling, honestly. And, and that's so I've a had pioneer. To- the pioneer is the person that it's continuously yes. back to start yeah so i mean the, the basic way is really people fall into two categories and and i just want to say to all the listeners right now both are absolutely critical unfortunately the world kind of puts more praise on one than the other but any leader if they don't understand this they will fail miserably in my opinion and that is that you you fall into two camps developers and pioneers and and um, so if you think about it, like, you know, and, and really just you know, like you think about I always think about like the pioneers, like taking like pioneering the West. Right. Okay. You know, you go okay. you take territory. Yes. The pioneers like, let's go there. And they're like, oh, we're going to take all this. And like, they don't even know where exactly they're going, but they think it's somewhere. Well, important. they may know where they're going. They just they just know they have this vision and we need okay. to go take this place and we need to go. And we need and we'll, we'll kind of figure it out when we get there. Right. Yes. Developers are like that. That totally freaks developers out. But then once once the area is taken, mm-hmm. so it's like we're gonna go we're gonna go take what is now Utah, whatever. It's like oh we took it. Well, pioneers kind of like that. They kind of be like, okay, well my job's done. Whoa, 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 whoa! Now there's the whole infrastructure. There's the roads. There's all the systems that have to be put in place so that you can actually maintain whatever you just took. And so development is every bit as critical as pioneering. And if you don't have both sides represented, um. You're going to fail. And, and in the same way, if you're just an organization that's just developers, you're probably just going to stay in one place forever because developers are like, no, 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 I like what I have. I'm going to make it better, 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 better. And I'm going to, you know, because the way you kind of, the way it's been, uh, you know, I've heard it, and, and this is not my idea. I've heard this, you know, um, uh, from others. But the the basic premise, if you want to know where you fall, is if you, if somebody said, um, what, if I, if I gave you these two options, what would you be more passionate about? 
um, here's something that you're a part of that you get to fixate on making better every single day. Like you get to take, it's like a knife that's dull and you're like, I just get to, this knife, I get to sharpen this knife and I get to get every day, I get to get it razor sharp and sharper and sharper and sharper. Or do you get excited about constantly taking on new projects? Okay, we have a knife now. Great. Let's go get a car. And then let's go get an airplane. And then let's go get a boat. And then let's go. And so I am, if at the core of who I am, You're a I want, I, I like pioneering. And um, that being said, and this is really critical, and it's so true, that pioneers grow when they're forced to develop. Say they that grow. one more time. Pioneers grow when they are forced to develop. And developers grow when they're forced to pioneer. And so what it says is that you're gonna grow as as a, as a teammate, as a team member, you're gonna grow personally when it gets you outside of your comfort zone and you now have to be on the pioneering side of things and saying, okay, I gotta help the pioneer do this. And likewise, the pioneer or the pioneers, usually there's less pioneers than there are developers. Um, when the pioneer has to go in, like right now, I feel like we're in a massive season of development and it is growing me exponentially. And I'm already is like, is it also so- draining you? No, I, I don't think, I mean, it's, it doesn't come maybe, I don't know. I feel like pioneering for me is almost like candy and developing is like, you know, going to root it and getting a, 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 you know, a clean, you know, that's got like kale and lemon and, you know what I mean? It's just right. like, it's just like, it's good. Like it's, I know it's making me so much better where like pioneering new projects and say, we're going to take on stuff is, is kind of, you know, that's, that can be far easier than actually for me working. Now you probably talk to developers and they'd say like, Oh, pioneer, that scares the crap right, out of right. me. You know? Okay. So. so I want to bring it back to two questions. First one is for those who feel like they have the imposter syndrome, what advice would you give them? Or if you were teaching your daughter, how would you help her to have a, a healthy, healthy sense of it. Yeah, yeah. sure. Well, I, I think that the, the reality is, I think the first thing that gives you peace, or at least gives me peace, is the fact that if you talk to anybody, yeah, I guarantee anybody that's leading or building or growing something, they all feel that way. Um, and I if they don't, do. if they don't, then you, then like, you know, then I sure as hell wouldn't invest in them. You know what I mean? I it, Like you want that because it, it, you're just like, gosh, because I think the imposter syndrome, at an unhealthy mark, right? You can be filled with fear and, oh my gosh, like what's everybody saying about me and insecurity. And that's really not the point of it. It's more of a, it's more of just a reminder of like, Am I oh doing my gosh. everything with the talents that God has given me? Yeah, like, exactly. And that's a great way to? of saying it is, is, and, and also, and I love that, you know, if I love, you know, when you look at it from God's perspective, right? You know, if you don't feel blessed any pioneer, if you don't feel blessed to have what you have, that, that, you know, so like to me, it's not lost on me that like, it makes no sense at all. And those who know me and grew up with me and you know, that I would have something and be responsible and, and have the opportunity to be a steward of something like Boca Restaurant Group. Like, and if it doesn't humble you and you sit there like, Man, you know, no different than I'm sure like, you know, you look at I always love the example of Moses in the Bible because, I mean, he was like a stutterer. You know, I mean, he was like, yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was like shy. He was not this like he was not a George Patton at all. God's like, yeah, we'll use you. He wasn't like, wasn't it Charlton Heston that played him or something? Yeah, he was not Charlton Heston. Yeah, that's yeah, you're right. I think that's right. Yeah. Okay, good. He so wasn't. I think okay. there's, the, and I think that it goes back to that, right? You, you you just feel humbled, and and for me, what it does is it really does bring me into, 
um, just this kind of introspective look at where I am and, and while I am blessed and, oh, by the way, this isn't mine, you know? And so yeah. I look at it as a responsibility of saying, whoa. And it's this really interesting paradigm that the more that you don't feel like it's yours and that it's a, you know, it's something that you have a responsibility to that you, that you need to steward, shockingly, the more success that you have. So I totally get that because when I go into facilitating team workshops, you know, I'll go in right in the morning. I'll say, okay, my prayer is that God, you help use me to help this team develop and grow in the best way possible. But if I'm controlling it and feel like it's responsibilities all on my shoulders, it's never successful. But if I reframe it like that and sort of give it away, I always have the best sessions. No, I, it's it's 100%. I mean, for me, it is the more that I can operate as, you know, this is a talent and a, and, and, I'm, and talent from, the, from the, the, the parable of the talents. You know, this is a talent that God gave me that I don't want to bury. I have this responsibility. And if I can walk into it, it I actually had a, um, a friend tell me it was a great piece of advice. He's like, if you can walk into work every day saying that this is your father's restaurant and you're the son... Like, it's a family business. It's your father's restaurant. And that whatever you do, you want to make sure, like, your dad would be proud of you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you're going to have a better, you know, a better, as opposed to this is mine. I did this. You know, and I think. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it just, it makes you realize that you're not the end all be all. Like, you have, you know, my job, realistically, is no more important than. Uh, the the you know the the young we call them essays but basically bussers that are taking care of our tables like you just when you get the sense that it's really a team we all have a function we all have to come up, come to to work every day and we have to focus on the fundamentals of, of what, what makes a restaurant great which is really for us it's simple it's attention to detail spirit of hospitality and our ultimate which is BPA blowing people away if everybody's focused on that we win if I don't do my job we don't win if they and, and let's be real. The servers and the busters and the cooks are far more, far more important than I am, right? They are going to impact the guests far more than I, if I, if I take the day off and I go golfing, nobody in the restaurants is going to know that if they take the day I, off. And I don't they know. I'm going to sort of challenge that a little okay. bit because if you believe that they are just as important as you, then you are as important as they are. I mean, you can't place. No, no, no. You know, it was the founder of, um, the founder of Home Depot and he said, I have a, I think everybody I have has a an prominent, equal job. I have a prominent, I have a, how did he say it? It was, I have a prominent, I have a significant job. I don't have an important job. Meaning that the important jobs are the people that are taking care of our customers, he was saying. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have a significant, I have a prominent job, but, but let's not lose focus of who really has the important job. Because what it says is basically, I do have prominence within my organization. I obviously have the ultimate power to say yes and no and whatever. But at the end of the day, what it does for me is it reminds me that I need to focus all as many of the resources as humanly possible to the people who are going to actually impact our guests. Yeah. Because like and, and his point was, look, I could take a month off work 
and nobody at the store level would ever know. I know. I just didn't want you to to diminish the importance of your role too. That's no, why I'm saying that. Well, I, I think you know the fact of the matter is is I think the vast majority of CEOs could probably uh, use a dose of realizing that their job's not as important as they think they are, or they're not as important as they think they are, right? Because and that's the whole point, right? I mean, it's the pioneer right. and developer thing. Like everybody wants to put pioneers. You know, it's like moms, right? You never sit there and see like you know world's greatest mom on the cover of a magazine. No, you see the you know the superstar that you know is cracked out and did some crazy you know shit that whatever you know it's like so to me it's just a nice reminder of and i'm not trying to be like super cheesy or altruistic or whatever it's just true it's a nice reminder that the more that all of us and that goes for myself and my leadership team the more that that we're sitting here understanding that you know we need to constantly be pouring into the freaking 17 year old essay and make it we have this young kid um who started at Boca, he's like standing in the kitchen and you can see he's kind of petrified, you know, and I said, you know, what's your name? And he tells me, and, and I said, you know, um, and, and we're talking and like about an hour later goes by. He's like, Hey chef, can I get you a cup of coffee? And I'm like, yeah. Hey, do you, do you know what our pyramid of badassery is? And, and one pyramid of the other essays, of badassery? pyramid of badassery. Um, and he looks at me like, no, and one of our one of our guys, Piper, walks by. He's like, "Hey, chef, it's his first day." I'm like, "Oh, that's all right." I said, "I said, hey, I want you to tell him what the pyramid of badassery is." He's like, "Okay, it's attention, detail, spirit." I was like, no, 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 you're just listing it. Tell him what it is. Like, why is that yeah. important? And it was like, "Oh, okay," and it's, it's attention to it. detail. You know, we we you know, amazing restaurants are the accumulation of a million small details being done very very well. Average restaurants get the big details right. I order chicken, I got the chicken, it's hot, it came on time. Um, it's the small details that separate and spirit of hospitality. And at the end of the day, we need people who have the spirit of hospitality constantly working in our organization because they can't, like my mom. Yeah. Yeah, you know, she's the most hospitable person I know. She can't help but just care for other people if we can fill an organization. So I said, you don't know, but you just model the spirit of hospitality because you came up, said, can I get you a cup of coffee? That's hospitality. And by the way, hospitality does not begin and end with a guest. It's how we operate together as a team yeah and um and so to me i was like why why did i bring that up but but to me that was an opportunity for me to real you know to to pour myself into this and i have no idea how long he's going to be there but if i could pour myself into you know into piper and these guys and all you know and they get that and and i get you know or i could walk into the restaurant be like i'm the man Right. Do you know who I am? Right. I started this thing. Like, go get me a cup of coffee. You know, as opposed to, no, I'm going to lean forward. And I, I want to I leave an impression on you that really communicates why we're here and what we do. Um, and then hopefully he walks away like, wow, that was really cool. Like, he's the founder, CEO. And I think it's also understanding. Like, I do realize that I carry weight. My words carry weight yes. in my organization. And I can either... I can either pretend like that doesn't exist or I can use that for for positivity and saying, hey, I can say that I could say something to, you know, a hostess that their that their GM could say the exact same thing. And when I say it, it could leave an impression on that person for the rest of their lives as opposed to well, it's just my boss, how I act. And it could be negative or positive. Totally. Right? So that's why I say I think it's just it's always about, again, you know, at Home Depot is a great. There's a, a yeah, great, great stories on those guys. I mean, they they did the whole inverted pyramid, so they took their entire organizational chart and they put themselves at the bottom, because when you look at um, uh, when you look at the the you know typical pyramid, right, you're at the top. Yeah. So, and what's great about that is that they realize gravity's not their friend. Right. If you're at the bottom of the pyramid, gravity's not your friend. If you're at the top, you're just kind of like it's like you're taking crumbs. You're like, okay, go do this, people. 
Right, and gravity just goes, yeah, goes all the way down through the organization. Where you're at the bottom of the organization, when you're casting vision, you realize you have to push, push the gravity up. up. You got to push it all the way up to your essays that are at the top of the pyramid. And so um, I have yet That's to inspiring. do that in our own organization. Only because they're like, you know, that's why I kind of stopped reading a lot of leadership books because I'm like, there's so many damn ideas. I, I, I can never implement them all. And they're all great I ideas. Know, you know? I know. But I do use that from a perspective of we, we absolutely need to operate that way. And, and how are we pouring resources into, you know, into the staff that's above us? All right. I want to ask you two more questions because I've been dying to know these. Okay. okay. First of all, I think there's a really interesting analogy between recipes and cooking and failure. Yeah. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts around that and oh, like gosh, that creative yeah. piece yeah. around that because, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, all day long. Yeah. And it's actually one of the things that I really learned. Um, uh, and it was a hard lesson to learn because as I stated, I was the most arrogant SOB you'd ever met in a kitchen. And so when I had an idea for a dish, if I did the dish and it wasn't good, I was like, damn it. I would like get so, I was like angry at the dish, but really I was angry at myself because I was so deeply insecure and a shrink could spend a field day on it. Right. But, but I would just get pissed off and I'd throw it away. Never to be, you know, revisited. Um, and then I quickly, like, I, I, I actually not quickly, but over time, over well over a decade, I started realizing like, no, we need to like get in there and, and like, we need to actually enjoy the journey of saying, okay, we thought this dish was going to be great. And 70% of it is great. You know, 30% of it sucks. So how do we get in and how do we tweak and how do we, you know, and... So uh, what was the tipping point? What, how did you realize that you needed to start doing that? I think it was working with... It was when I started delegating uh, some of the some of the creation of food. Um, and, and not delegating it completely, but saying, hey, go ahead to one of our chefs or something like present something to me because like I Jono? I mean was Jono uh, actually unfortunately about... Jono got the brunt of my throw it away it's crap but you was Jono a little bit more comfortable with not beating himself up and saying okay let's get in there and try different things no, or no, no Jono's probably same... arguably worse than me at that at times I mean he and I are cut from the same cloth I'm joking I hope he hears this <laughs> love you Jono uh, no he 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 and I both kind of fall into that camp you know now, so no, but we grew learn? together in that he's great now I mean he especially because his he his primary focus is on design more than cooking now and that's a constant throw it up like oh that sucks okay and he and you just kind of you know but so to me it was really understanding like you you have to you have to be willing to enjoy the journey and you're going to be a really crappy teacher if every time one of your guys brings you a dish you're like it's crap start over not like start over on a totally different dish so for example um i have a tasting later today it was supposed to be yesterday i went up to our um our uh, chef de cuisine at Boca, and I said, okay, what are we tasting? And he told me, and I said, okay, have you guys tasted all of these dishes? Well, this one we have, and these other two we haven't. I said, no, 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 no. I want you to taste the dishes. I want you to get the dishes to 75% or better, and then present it to me, so that they have to start the process of like, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Because part of it is like, right, I don't want to just catch the fish for them. I want to teach them how to fish. So I would say that that really came about when I started teaching, teaching. because I realized like I couldn't take that impetuous child syndrome to teaching. Like it would be, I mean, I could, but it would be horrible teaching because it doesn't give them anything. Like you wouldn't have there's no insight. You. Yeah, and so. Um, you know, I, I would say having you know one of the things that I haven't really even thought about just till this, till this is you know till this uh, conversation that 
that, you know, it's amazing how having employees and the more employees and teaching employees, how much it's grown me personally. I don't know about those just mm-hmm. now. I have to kind of muse on that a little bit. But but point being is that, like, that's where it was really like, okay, like, let's get in there. And sometimes, uh, candidly, they'll give me a dish where I'm like, I don't see... You know, it's like sometimes you have a dish and you come and there's like, okay, here's three different roads we can come. Sometimes you, you put a dish in front and you're like, nope, brick wall. I just don't see anything. We're best just like, let's yeah. scrap that and start over. Um, I like that concept, though, that teaching. That's what really helped you get there. Yeah. Okay, Here here's one more question that I'm, I'm dying to know. And you will answer this, I know, because you love me. <laughs> what is the story <laughs> that... Um, just one of like your really biggest challenges that really brought you to your knees that maybe you've never shared with anybody else, but that you think would be really helpful for others to hear and to learn. Hmm. So many. Um, boy, that's a, I, you know, I feel like every, I'll give you a recent one. How about that? Perfect. That's, that's even easier. Um, I and this is great. I feel like I'm kind of honoring this because uh, I didn't totally do it. Uh, this was about a month ago. No, it was, I don't know. Maybe two months ago. Maybe three months ago. I have no concept of time anymore. But I was sitting there, and um, it's it's kind of hilarious that that and they weren't even equal weight. They one was actually even greater, and um, I had two major things that I I needed to accomplish. And so we were doing. We're in the middle, and we're still. In the we're not in the middle. We're towards the end of doing um, uh, a massive capital raise for not expansion, and and we had to raise like uh, gosh, it was it was a lot of money. It was like three point six five million dollars, and wow. and I only say that because it's kind of funny to put it in comparison to the other major challenge in my life, which was my sweet, beautiful little daughter and getting her to sleep through the night. I mean, my wife was exhausted. I was exhausted. My daughter was exhausted. Like, this is not working. And I remember I have a group of guys I get together with every Monday. And I remember just kind of confessing to them, like, you know what, man, I, and I'm somebody who give me a challenge and I will freaking run through a brick wall. Like I've never met a challenge that I won't take on. And usually God really gives me tons of energy energy for stuff like that like go and i just sat there i'm like i have no energy like i have no i literally which is very unlike me i have no energy i like i just have and i remember sitting there and i was praying one morning and i was like lord i have no energy i mean i have no energy and um and i just sat there and kind of my time in the morning and i just wrote down i said there's two things i'm going to pray for and that's that's raising the money and getting my daughter to sleep. And I remember confessing to my guys, I'm like, I literally, it feels like climbing Mount Everest right now. And I have, and I wasn't, I wasn't like, I mean, I was kind of tired from like sleep deprivation with, with Frankie, but not like, I wasn't like physically exhausted. I mean, I just was like, what the heck? And, and, uh, and more I remember fr- more saying, like frustrated. Yeah. I know literally no. the best way to describe it is as if God took all energy away from me and until, and, and just sat there because, and this has happened many times is that I needed to go to him and say, I need you to give me the energy to do it. As opposed to, I'm just on my own efforts. I'm just going to go, 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 go. And I got to blow through this wall. And I, and I didn't do it. I'm so mad. So I kind of feel like I'm partially doing it in this, uh, in this interview and this podcast is that I was remember in my, like in my time in the morning, I was going to do a selfie video where I'm like, here's the deal right now. I need to raise $3.65 million and I got to get my daughter work with my wife to get my daughter to sleep through the night. And right now, both of them feel like climbing Mount Everest. And I literally, I don't even see the first step in either process right now, but because 
I've been here so many times in my life and I my and I know God's faithfulness. I'm praying on this. And so when this happened, and I remember saying what I was going to say was if we ever get to the point where not a development, you know, it's just this massive, you know, juggernaut, I want to go back to this video and we can go back to this podcast now. Yes. And I want to point to this podcast and say, I remember sitting in my living room on the ground being like, I've got nothing. And so that a hundred percent of the glory, a hundred percent of it would go, uh, would go to him. And it's just like, now I'm sitting here. She's, she's, you know, sleeping through the night, most nights, but I mean, it's like night and day and we've raised the vast majority of the capital. <gasps> and so it was just, and, and it's the type of thing where, and I just, cause on my faith journey, it's a constant journey of, okay, here's this thing. Are you going to trust me? Yeah. Here's this thing. Are you going to trust me? And I wasn't always there, but it's been good to get to that place now where no matter how daunting it is, I can always go back to these times in my life where I saw no way out, um, you know, and it was like, oh, he provided, he provided, he provided. And and I think that's the other thing that, that, that hopefully keeps me grounded and humble is that nobody knows except, you know, probably my top brass of how many times we were on the precipice of destruction and we felt God's hand just kind of move us like, okay, you're okay now. Okay. You're okay now. And you're like, now. I gotcha. Yeah. So I love that you share that because that is truly the reason for these podcasts is so that we can share stories like that yeah. and just handing it over. I mean, well, the, the funniest thing about this era was that yeah. literally my daughter sleeping was felt more monumental, felt like a greater and anybody out there is like a little kid that's not sleeping. You, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, dear Lord. How do I like, please, please. Like, I don't like I'm, I don't, I have like, you know, cause a business or raising money. I mean, like, and both of them were, but I was like, Frankie sleeping was like Mount Everest, man. Yeah. And maybe Mount Everest on top of Mount Everest. And, um, yeah. So, and it was a really, it's a, it's arguably the first time I've ever been met with a challenge like that. That was so daunting where, but I, at the same time I had like a little bit of a grin, like like almost it's like a spiritual grin like i had a little bit of grin like oh i know you're gonna deliver me i don't know how but i know you are so okay well it, it like and that's why i said like i'm gonna do the selfie video which i ended up not doing but 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 you know what you got the selfie video through this right through, through his yeah and and it was and i think that's the first time i mean there have been other times where i'm like okay it's more like god you got to get me through this yeah but this one it was like it's almost like it was a great conversation with him like i know why you're doing this because you because i need this is a this is an opportunity for for me to trust and f- to grow my faith, right? I mean, James talks about it, all through the Bible talks about it, but it's like, you know, rejoice in uh, all circumstances, right? Rejoice in troubles and, and, and persecution and challenges because it grows your faith. There's no question about that. I mean, there's just no, 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 no question. I mean, that's the thing. I- I'll share this. This other story that you can bring up, but um, I was sitting there and I was just getting my butt handed to me at work and I just was just, man, I was like, one of these days, I'm just exhausted. And um, I... I don't know why, but I had to either I had to call or he, maybe he called me. I think I had to call him, but he's our largest investor and just built this company from nothing to just massive, right? Massive, massive company. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, he's the type of guy that when he walks in a room, most people are like, you know, man, he just kind of floats on air. It's like, ooh, he's mm-hmm. here. Like, you know, like just in this rarefied air. He's kind of tall too, so yeah, it makes sense, rarefied air. Uh, but, but I just called him and I was asking about something because he's on my board and said, you know what? I go, Dave, can I ask you a question? He's like, yeah. I go, so like when you were building your company, was it just like easy? Was it just, you know, like everything just came? He's like, 
Yeah, can I cuss on this? I don't know if I uh, can or not. Fuck yeah, yeah, you okay, can. okay, great. He goes, yeah, Falk, it was a real fucking cakewalk, you know. And it was like, <laughs> I was like, it, it was amazing how refreshing that felt to me. It was like, oh, okay, so it's not supposed to be easy. Okay, like it was yeah. just like, and I asked him. I said, or, this was a different time, and this is like actually, I'm probably one of the only guys that like throws shit back at him, because uh, nobody intimidates me. I don't care. That's one blessing. That's one gift I have. I don't care how much money you have. I really don't. If you come at me, I will come right back at you with more force. And uh, and he and I've had some throwdowns. We love each other. But but he was that we were at a meeting. He goes he goes you know well you know you said you were gonna do this and this didn't happen and blah, blah, blah. I go yeah and and I and I said. You know, we you know we 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 made some mistakes in in real estate early on and on. I said I think it's going to be the and I said a guy a buddy of mine said it's the greatest thing that ever happened to you because you now realize that you have to live by the gravity that everybody else lives by when it comes to real estate because you're so you were we were in Cincinnati we didn't understand how much we knew the real estate our brand and da da da, da. and our first real estate play was not a good one and um, and I said but and it really humbled us and and so I was sharing that with him he's like you know I hate it when people tell me the best thing that ever happened is bad shit. I go let me ask you a question bud I don't want to say his, I'm just saying Dave I don't want to say his last name even though I call him by his last name I go let me ask you a question Dave. So in your life, did you learn from all the brilliant decisions that you made or did you learn from all the mistakes? Well, I mean the mistakes. I'm like, yeah, okay. So then shut up. Okay. Like, you know, I hate, and I hate that. I mean, let me just tell you, if you got anybody listening to this, if you have like a board, right, or you got like investors who want you to be fucking perfect, perfect. and like, like as if every fucking decision they ever made was perfect and their shit, to, you know what, get rid of them or just like freaking just like, just tone them out because it's such bullshit. All of them learn through their mistakes, and anybody that's not willing to admit that, they're gonna they're gonna give you shitty counsel. Yeah. Now you don't want to make the same mistake over and over and over and over again, but you know anybody that doesn't understand that. I on. love that you're saying that because uh, I think that there I think that there is a ton of opportunities, especially in Cincinnati, around people feeling more confident and comfortable with failing forward. Yeah, absolutely. So I love um, rejoicing all circumstances yeah. so we're going to end with that because i think it was a perfect ending and you have been an amazing guest and you oh. know what you know i love you thanks for coming in love you too pleasure i want to thank everyone behind the scenes anna bulky our producer and the incredible team at gwyn sound if you liked this episode please please go to itunes subscribe rate and write a review Join me next time when my guest, fellow podcaster Beth Silvers, who's on Pantsuit Politics, talks about how she navigates the current political landscape and how the country on both sides reacted to a perceived failed election.